This is Beers and Buckets, a podcast for degenerates like us who drink beer and watch basketball. We are the only college basketball podcast that reviews beer and the only beer review podcast that talks college basketball. So grab a beer, throw on a game, and hang with us. Welcome back to Beers and Buckets. My name is Connor. I'm joined by Dow, like always, and we have a special, special, special guest, Steven Rodriguez of the Talking Tech Podcast. Steven, how are you, man? I'm doing well, fellas. Appreciate y'all having me on. Definitely. Well, we've uh, I just started kind of following you recently and uh, the Talking Tech Podcast, and I just wanted to see, like, I wanted to make this a not just a Kentucky podcast, because that's what we say all the time. And unfortunately, one of our other co-hosts, Matt, wants this to be a Kentucky podcast, and he's like, screw every other team. But he's not on tonight, so he could suck it. Um, so <laughs> I do have a question. How did you get into the podcasting game? Yeah, so I mean, I, me and my me and my best buddy Tristan uh, started this podcast in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, you know, we just kind of I've always liked talking about sports, and I'm you know I'm a super passionate Texas Tech fan, alumni, graduated 2018, uh, and uh, you know my best buddy, we just we went to school together. We just decided, hey, you know, let's let's just do this. You know, it, if we get a following, we'll keep it up. If not. Uh, you know, we can hang it up, but um, no, we actually got a really cool following. We got picked up by uh, Guns Up Nation, which is a nice Texas Tech blog uh, out there. And, and we've been a part of their podcast network uh, probably for about a year now. So uh, it's been it's been really fun. That's awesome, man. So as a student, as a fan, as a kid, whatever, as a podcaster, tell me, what's your favorite Texas Tech memory? So there's so there's a lot, most of them in basketball, uh, although I did go to school at Texas Tech when Patrick Mahomes was there. So, you know, there were some fun football games. We didn't win a ton, but uh, there were some fun games. Basketball wise, I mean, there's so many to count. We had so many upsets, court rushes during my time there. I guess the one that kind of sticks out is 2016, I believe, is when uh, Buddy Heald in Oklahoma came into town. Yeah, I think they were number three in the nation at that point. And we ended up uh, upsetting them and rushed the court. It was it was a great time. That's awesome, man. I got to say my favorite Texas Tech memory was Lubbock in 2019-2020, and the mm. crowd was all boozed up because you guys started serving beer to the, the fans at like 10 a.m. Yep. to the yep. fans because Kentucky was coming to town. And oh, yeah. that overtime game, that was intense. Like, But it was just a fun atmosphere. I mean, I remember hearing, like watching TV – swag surfing was on i'm like mm -hmm, this this mm -hmm. crowd gets it you know like and yeah. not that it's not that they don't have a strong basketball program it's just building and that's the coolest part is seeing the progression of texas tech basketball especially from what it was when oh gosh a bobby knight was there in like the <laughs> 2000s and they had the they had it was like a billboard of a court like there was like advertisements mm -hmm. everywhere on that court and oh, it, was, yeah. it was wild so it's really cool to see texas tech grow like that so yeah for sure but, Wait, was was that was that sixteen year? Tubby would have been there at that point, right? That was sixteen sixteen seventeen was Beard's first year. So Tubby was there fifteen and fifteen, sixteen. So I think that was that was Tubby's last season. Yeah, yeah. the the Buddy Hill game. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. The motorcycle stuff, that was at that that was at Texas Tech, right? That was, yeah. That was, he came <laughs> I, I wasn't there for like the the basketball like intro night or whatever it was, but um yeah, I mean we I kinda got I got to Texas Tech in twenty fourteen and at that point we're thinking basketball, you know, whatever, Texas Tech basketball, we've never been. We've had some years, you know, we made the sweet sixteen one time with Darvin Ham, 
uh, that's when he broke the backboard. I don't know if y'all remember that, but mm-hmm. uh, against North Carolina, I believe. Uh, so we've had some years here and there, but we've never been a super strong basketball program until, you know, Chris, Tubby Smith, Chris Beard era. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I have to ask you, we have a, a listener. I believe he's a listener. He listens to talk crap about us, but <laughs> he says that Tennessee basketball is more relevant than Kentucky basketball. I I would wager to say that Texas Tech basketball is more relevant than Tennessee. <laughs> well, we did beat them earlier. You beat you know? them? Not to mention, yeah, we beat them. We actually made a Final Four and a championship game. They've never done either. So yeah, that's true. Well, that, I mean, that that fan's clueless if they're saying Kentucky basketball <laughs> is less relevant than Tennessee basketball. They're clueless because they cheer for Tennessee. Is the actual yeah, yeah, okay? That's yeah, that's fair. So the basketball <laughs> guru, which is the best part about it. <laughs> but all right, there was a lot of upsets this weekend. Uh, we saw number ten Michigan State, number five uh, USC, number twelve LSU, and number one Baylor lose at home to unranked teams on a wild Saturday. And then today, Monday, because we're supposed to record last night, it got messed up. The lost episode, that was probably the best episode we've ever recorded. No one will ever hear. Anyways, there was a wild double overtime game today between Purdue and Illinois that lasted like four hours, and it was fantastic. Like, I, the productivity of my work that today was just down the drain as soon as that game started. I don't know about you guys, but what other games did you watch? I mean, obviously, we saw Texas Tech uh, struggle this weekend, but... After an amazing like three game stretch, tell me a little bit about that game. What what happened there? Yeah, with Kansas State, that was our fourth game in seven nights. Um, we we're coming off two really really tough games against Baylor and Kansas, and even Iowa State before that, where we only had seven players. So we're getting our guys back. We had some COVID issues. We had some injuries. Guys like Terrence Shannon, uh, Kevin McCuller was out for a few games and. We're just getting our whole entire team back, and that being the fourth game in seven nights, it just kind of ended being in Manhattan. And no no Big 12 game is easy this year. I mean, you could say Kansas State is the worst team in the Big 12, but they're still, I think, what, in the 60s in Ken Palm? So it's, I mean, it's just a grind of a season in the Big 12, and, and oh, sure. every night I think any team can beat any team on any night. We, uh, we've been very adamant and vocal about how loaded the Big 12 is. And it's everything that I think people think the Big Ten is. So I've been paying pretty close attention to those Big 12 games because, like you said, I mean, any team could lose on any given night. So, Dal, was there any games that you watched this weekend that I didn't mention that you wanted to shout out? Uh, Selfishly, going to throw a a plug to the the Deeks here, getting a comeback road ACC win, uh, which – is something that cannot be said very often uh, throughout the last half decade or so. Um, yeah. They beat – oh, and beat UVA, who we have just always lost to um, as well. So it was, nice to, it was nice to get that win. I'm trying to think if there were any other kind of like big games that, that really stuck out. From what I remember, it was kind of like – there was a lot of upsets. I actually personally went to the USF UCF game at in Tampa. I didn't expect it to be a good game. And I, I was right, except for I thought it was going to be flipped. I thought UCF was just going to blow the brakes off of USF. And it was, I was totally wrong in that aspect. UCF just got embarrassed and USF turned into the South Florida Warriors. It was insane. It was, it was hard to watch, but 
you know what? When a team is led by Darius Perry as their guard, you know, I'm, like we all know what he did at Louisville, and he probably is doing the same thing here at UCF. So my wife is an alumni, so that's why we went to the game. We decided to go. We had a couple of friends that were at the that are USF fans, and it was all good fun. Tickets were like five bucks, but man, it was tough to watch when you're the team that you're rooting for shot two for twenty, you know, from three. Mm-hmm. Uh, embarrassing. So. We're going to let you have the floor here in a second. I'm going to ask you a question. Over the summer, rumors of Chris Beard leaving. I want to hear what you were thinking like before they announced he left and then the initial reaction when it was confirmed that he was leaving for te- Texas. Yeah, so it was a, it was a roller coaster of an offseason. Um, you know, we, we saw Shaka Smart get fired over there and, and Beard, of course, is an alumni of Texas. And so... It's, you know, a lot of Texas Texas Tech fans are, are kind of, they were like, no, Beard's never going to leave. We made a national championship game with him. Why would he leave for the Longhorns, which are a, a disappointing program every single year? But, of course, you know, it comes around on, I, I believe it was April 1st, and he decides uh, to move on uh, to Texas. And, and, of course, your initial reaction is, is disappointment and sadness and everything like that. And we're like, oh, crap, here it goes everything we built just went off to the Longhorns and yeah. us, us being Texas tech, we're always, I mean, UT is our biggest rival, uh, that or that or Texas A&M or something of that sort. So, um, you know, UT stealing a coach from us, it just doesn't feel good. And it makes you, it makes you sad and everything like that it makes you feel like you're a lesser program. Well, we felt that for all of about, you know, four days until Mark Adams was hired back on, uh, to Texas tech, uh, to be the head coach. And, and so, you know, we were super sad when Beard was fired or when Beard left. I'm sorry. Uh, wish we fired him. <laughs> uh, but no, when, when Beard decided to leave, but then four days, four or five days later, that was the most unified I saw our fan base ever about anything when Mark Adams was was head coach. I mean, we, we held a uh, like a big old barbecue for the press conference. Yeah, We had half of our stadium filled just to watch this press conference because we were so ready for Mark Adams to come in and take over this program. So real roller coaster for sure. Definitely. So, I mean, that kind of leads into my next question, which is what were the expectations that Mark, like what were the expectations for Mark Adams at Texas tech once he was hired? Like what were, what were you thinking that were realistic expectations for him there? Yeah. So when he was initially hired, you know, you don't really, nobody really knows because we had, we, we didn't have a team at that point. We had a bunch of guys on the transfer portal. We had a lot of guys that left the program already. And we had, I don't know, maybe two, three players left on the roster when Adams took over the job. And so you're like, well, I guess we'll just kind of see how this roster plays out. Uh, But initially you're like, well, you know, I, I, I think he can do pretty good. We're hopefully mid tier big 12, you know, uh, a tournament team, that kind of thing. And then as the roster filled out, we got guys like Kevin O'Banner, guys like Bryson Williams in the transfer portal. Uh, and then you, and then we get Terrence Shannon announcing he's coming back to school, Kevin McCuller. So then our expectations grow a little higher. And I may be different from a lot of other Texas Tech fans. When I thought we were going to be a contender as soon as Terrence Shannon announced he was coming back, I thought, you know, it doesn't matter. I know Texas is going to be good. I know Kansas is going to be good, Baylor, all that. But I really think we have a chance. And I think so far 
this season we're showing that we're as competitive as anybody in the Big 12. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kevin O'Banner was one of the most underrated transfers, in my mm-hmm. opinion, of this season. For sure. Um, I mean, obviously, you watched Oral Roberts last year. You thought, mm-hmm. if I'm going to take a player from that school, it's going to be Max Amos, right? But, like, yeah. Yeah. Kevin O'Banner did his part. He was the front court equivalent to Max Amos. It's just he did the dirty work. He didn't. He wasn't the flashy scorer, but he's doing great this season. Love to watch him there. So, um, but yeah, getting Terrence Shannon back, that that was huge. That was equivalent to, as a Kentucky fan, getting Davion Mintz back. It was like the icing yep. on the cake, like, oh, we can really contend this year. So, I mean, I, it's been awesome watching it. I love seeing a first-time head coach step in and be this successful. Like, that's amazing. You don't see that too often. And when you do, it's usually on a, um, you know, like a non-Power 5 school, you know, mid-major or whatever. So seeing him succeed at a Power 5 level is is pretty incredible. So recruiting wise, how does Texas Tech look in the upcoming years? I mean, we know that a big part of why they're so successful this year is the remaining core. They had a, they had really good success in the transfer portal. Obviously, we can't predict who enters and who exits, you know, for transfers as far as that goes right now. But you can kind of get a feel of what's happening recruiting wise. So tell me about a little bit of uh, Texas Tech's recruiting. Yeah, so that was uh, the thing that a lot of national media knocked on Mark Adams when he was hired at Texas Tech was, well, you know, he's 65. Can you really recruit at that age? He's, he, you know, he's this is his first time being a Power 5 head coach, everything like that. But he's shown almost immediately that he can recruit the transfer portal. I mean, we got seven, eight new transfers on this year's team, and all of them have huge roles, whether it's Davion Warren or Kevin O'Banner, all sorts of guys, guys coming off the bench. Adonis Arms has been a nice uh, surprise pickup for us on that end. But uh, our 2022 class coming in is actually really solid. Uh, uh, We got a four-star in Pop Isaacs coming in, who's a true point guard, uh, can shoot the heck out of the ball. Um, I I don't know if y'all have seen the news, but uh, Jalen Tyson, who was originally committed to Beard at Texas Tech, and then followed Beard to Austin when he took the Longhorn job. He's already left that program mm-hmm. and come back to Lubbock. So he was a four-star product. Uh, we have a couple other guys, Robert Jennings, Lamar Washington. And then I think we're still in the running for a five-star big man, uh, Johan uh, Trore, I think is how you say his name. Yeah. So, I mean, Adams Adams has a good staff with him. That's That was one of the big things that uh, we were really curious to see is, is what assistance he's bringing in. And he brought in... Corey Williams from Arkansas. He brought in Barrett Peary, who was a huge JUCO coach, was coaching head coach at Portland State uh, when he left for Texas Tech. Talvin Hester is huge in the Texas area, recruiting wise. Uh, and then Sean Sutton, you know, son of Eddie Sutton. Yeah, uh, he's he's a name in college basketball that everybody knows. So sure. I think it says it says more about the whole staff than anything. This recruiting success that we've seen already. So funny story about Sean Sutton. He actually went to high school with my dad. In really? Yeah, in Kentucky. So I live in Florida now, but when my dad was in uh, high school, he lived in Kentucky, and uh, he would just tell me how, like, you know, like he went to high school with him, seen him around, you know, Lexington, things like that. And mm-hmm. it was just my dad always had a chip on his shoulder about it. He's like, you know, when he was like nineteen or twenty, however old he was, and it, and you know, Eddie went down with some with uh, the violations. They hired mm-hmm. Sean as an interim head coach for Kentucky, uh, just for a brief moment. And my dad's like, well, I could coach better than him. Like, what the heck? He's just coaching because of the name. So yeah, yeah. I've always, uh, like, I've always had not like a negative, uh, you know, opinion about Eddie and Sean Sutton, but a lot of UK fans were a little like, um, 
you know, have a little bit of a negative opinion just because of the, the, you know, the, the suspension that they brought upon him for the postseason bans and things sure. like that. But all things considered, great coach, great family tree there. That's awesome that, you know, like he, he got to uh, live out that legacy there. So really cool. Um, but well, do you have any questions you want to ask? Yeah. Uh, wanted to see uh, what your what your favorite lineup that Texas Tech goes with this year is. Does it have uh, bigs is the real question we want to know. <laughs> hey, come on. It's <laughs> totally part of the part of the question. <laughs> yeah, so so we played our best basketball actually when Terrence Shannon was down, uh, you know, beating Kansas and Baylor. Uh, but but it this roster is so diverse. We have a lot of length and a lot of wings on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, really the the lineup I think that works the best um, is is Davion Warren, Kevin McCuller, uh, probably Adonis Arms, uh, Kevin O'Banner, and Bryson Williams because all all five of those guys are at least six foot six and up. Uh, all of them can shoot for the most part. I mean, uh, it's it, and defensively, it's killer. And you've seen that from Texas Tech this year. We we make our money on our defense. So uh, having Adams and his no middle defense with six foot six lengthy guys, uh, it's really causing some issues for a lot of teams. Yeah, yeah, I think that. So Kentucky fans get really mad when Cal goes three bigs, mostly because mm-hmm. like the extra bigs that we throw in there are young, so they just need to get reps. Um, and everyone's like, oh, we need to play three or four guards. But Texas Texas Tech's roster, and, and part of the reason why I ask is Texas Tech roster is built for the like kind of three guard, four guard, but like guard is in quotes because yeah, gu- they're all guard like, wing hybrids. Right. Yeah. They're like 6'3 to 6'7 and mm-hmm. can play defense. That is mm-hmm. not the guys that would be playing the like small ball four for Kentucky. Um, so that is. Uh, that, that's funny that like there's a lot of Kentucky fans that would really love to be able to play the kind of lineups that Texas Tech does. Cause I mean, you'll have what one guy over like six, eight, but no one under mm-hmm. six, three. Right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like in that six, four to six, eight range for the most part. Uh, we don't really have a true point guard on this year's team. And that's kind of uh, what's bitten us in the butt a few times on the mm-hmm. offensive side, but Kevin McCuller has kind of transitioned to that point guard role, really main facilitator. I don't want to say point guard because he's not really, but he's kind of developing nicely uh, from being a wing. And then we have Malik Wilson, who's played sparingly off the bench. Uh, and and he's coming, he's, he's like a true point guard for the most part, six, three guys. So uh, yeah, the lineups have been really kind of fun to see what's, what's working and what's not. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, on that, my, my second question was going to be, if you could take one player from, any of the teams that you all have played this year and add it to the Texas Tech team, who would it be? Shoo, that's tough because we played, I mean, you know, the obvious answer is probably getting a guy like Ochai Ogbaji from yeah. Kansas, you know, but uh, really a guy that fits the system, I think would be one of the Baylor players. Getting a getting a James Akinjo on this team just for his shot and his playmaking, having a true point guard would probably help us out a good amount. Yeah, uh, But you get any of those Baylor guys, I think we would be great. I mean, getting Matthew Matthew Meyer, I mean, all those type of players I'd love to have. Yeah, they're a tough team. It, I'm glad we saw them get upset just because the, I didn't want the mm-hmm. stigma of, like, Baylor's untouchable because yeah. we've seen this year no one is untouchable. Everyone yeah. has something that they can work on. Baylor happens to be – their offense can be sus- suspect at times. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's every, every team has its struggle, so – 
no one's untouchable. So it, it gives me encouragement. It gives me encouragement because there's a, it's easier to pick upsets this year than it seemed to have been previously, yep. which is going to lead us into our next segment, which is Shark Tank Upsets. This is Shark Tank Upsets. Each host pitches an upcoming game using stats and reasoning to convince the sharks to buy in. Sharks can buy a pint, case, keg, or be completely out. This is Shark Tank Upsets, and this week, Beers and Buckets returns to the tank. Okay, so I guess we'll see how good a salesman I really am, but... uh... We'll see. This is kind of a this is a bold pick, so we'll see what you guys have to say. Um, I'm going Thursday, January 20th. The Purdue Boilermakers are going into Bloomington, into Indiana, and Purdue has absolutely owned this series since the mid 2000s. Yeah, um, I think they've won what 12 of the last 13 meetings against Indiana. Uh, I just think Indiana is due for a win here in this rivalry. This is Bloomington's an insane place when it's crazy i mean they're i think they're 12 and 4 they might be 13 and 4 after they won the night against nebraska um but purdue's riding high after this double ot win um against illinois and i just for some reason i just feel really good about trace jackson davis he's coming in averaging 19 and 9 this year xavier johnson getting a little over four assists a game and as a team they're shooting about 35 percent from three which you know, can can kill you against Purdue with those yeah. that big lineup that they have. That, you know, getting Edie and Travion in there. So, uh, you know, if they shoot well from downtown, um, I, I think I think they have a real chance here. Go ahead, Dell. It's a little little bold to be picking uh, an Indiana upset on a yeah. podcast with two uh, mainly Kentucky fans. <laughs> Uh, no, I think my like my initial gut reaction on this was like, no, nah, there's no way. Just mostly because it's fun to be mean to Indiana. But looking at it, like this is definitely a like strength on strength versus weakness on weakness. Like Purdue has mm-hmm. the best offense in the country. Uh, they showed that getting really hot um, at the end of that Illinois game. Have a ton of NBA talent there, but Indiana's defense is is one of the best in the country too. They have their fourth and effective field goal percentage, like opponent effective field goal percentage. Um, so I think that they can, they can cause produce some problems on the offensive side where, and like Purdue's defense is fine, but isn't great. So I think that all it would take is a Trey Jackson Davis game to kind of get hot um, or one of their one of their shooters to kind of catch fire. So I'll I'll buy a six pack on this. I'm, I'm gonna I'm, get, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm out, and it's nothing personal, bud. I just sure. I feel like this is that Indiana. T- if this, you're saying next year, and this is the same Purdue team, and it's just next year's Indiana team where they've had a little bit more time to get that chemistry to understand. Uh, um, what's his name? Shoot, I drawn a blank. What's the coach's name? Mike Woodson? Yeah, Mike Woodson's uh, offense a little bit better. I feel like there's been some lulls in this team where they've gone, you know, they've looked really good at stretches and then like looked really, really, really bad at stretches. So um, it's hard to do that against a top five team in the nation. And I think it's going to be even, it's going to be like one of those games where they start out really strong and you're like, oh crap, they might do this. And then Purdue kind of just like takes it, to, you know, takes and runs with, or runs away with it. So I'm going to be out on that, um, 
and it's just I, I don't want to I don't want to just I don't want to get my hopes up. That's I, fair. You're it, you're smart with your money, man. I completely yeah. understand it. If you were if you our other co-host Matt and projected predicted this, I would have gone and you know bought like three kegs on this just because think, <laughs> every time you every time you predict something like crazy like this, it and, you know ends up it ends up hitting. So mm-hmm. he's a smart he's man. Really he he is like the human embodiment of when you go and look at a line and you're like, there's no way this line is actually like I'm missing something. And yeah. every single time you are missing something because Vegas is smarter than you. Like that, he's mm-hmm. the human embodiment of like every time he picks an upset, I'm like, no, there's no way this is happening. And then yeah. it does. In the middle of Memphis's like awful stretch, that I mean, they've been <laughs> a couple awful stretches. He predicted them to beat Bama, and like he w- he was spot on. And we were like, no way. He called it like a, yeah. like a week in advance, almost. It was insane. It was wild. So, That's so nuts. It's wild. All right, Dal, go ahead and pitch us your upset, man. Alrighty, let me let me find it here. Um, I am going the Miami Hurricanes hosting the North Carolina Tar Heels, and I think the kind of three headed uh, the three headed monster of Cameron Mcgusty, Isaiah Wong, and Charlie Moore are going to take advantage of North Carolina's lack of perimeter uh, defense. We've seen pretty much any time North Carolina has played a team with great guards that can beat people off the dribble, um, they have struggled. And even though Amanda Bacot is probably the best player in this game, I think that McGusty and Wong are probably the next two. And I just don't think R.J. Davis and Caleb Love will be able to handle them. Plus, it's at um, it's in Coral Gables, which I think definitely helps. Stephen, how are you feeling about this? Yeah, I'll buy a little bit. I'll buy, I'll buy a pint on that one. Um, North Carolina's been – we've seen them not – have stretches where they play pretty terrible. I mean, y'all's yeah. Kentucky Wildcats went and just murdered them earlier this season. Uh, and then they lost Notre Dame too. Uh, Notre Dame is, an, I think, a very, very average team at best this year. Um, I like that pick. Uh, I, I saw the way Miami took it to Duke in Durham. Uh, and I I like the Hurricanes. I think they're a really scrappy bunch. Uh, and I'd absolutely take a little bit of that. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I think I bought a case of it in the last episode. I'm going to bump it up to a keg. That's how confident I am in this game. You see, like you mentioned, Stephen, the Duke game. One of the biggest complaints, or not complaints, but one of the biggest weaknesses of this Duke team is the guard play. It's not the front court. It's the back court. And um, Miami has, like set the blueprint for how to beat Duke, and it was it was clear in that moment. And so I think it's going to be the same thing. North Carolina's guards can't stay in front of anyone on defense. Mm-hmm. And that's how Kentucky absolutely destroyed them because the best part of Kentucky's game outside of Oscar Shibway is the guard play. And it hits you with the depth of guards. So uh, I think Miami has the, has the tools to beat UNC. And people are talking about this UNC team like they're like the second best team in the, in the ACC, and which is ridiculous because they've got blown out a couple times. Um, so I'm going to go ahead like I said, buy a keg on this Dal, You got my support, bud. And if, and if we miss, we miss, but I think Miami has the tools, like I said, to, uh, to hit, hit home on this one. We like, we like to hear that. Yeah. So, all right. So Monday, or I'm sorry, today was Monday, Friday, Friday, Maryland takes on, uh, Illinois at home in Maryland. 
And I think it's going to be, I think it's a sleepy game for Illinois. They're, they're probably pissed off about this double overtime gate loss today. And I think they're looking on to Michigan state because that's the next high quality opponent that they have on the schedule. I think, I think overlooking Maryland is not like the smartest thing to do. I'm not high on this Maryland team. I said it last week, Maryland sucks. I'm going to agree with you on that. And it's more of my lack of confidence in Illinois to close out this game on the road in a big 10 play than it is my confidence in Maryland to you play really well and beat Illinois in this game. So, but we saw the blueprint for beating Illinois is get Kofi Coburn in trouble and make, make Andre Cabello beat you. And even though he was incredible today, it was his first game back. I think that was like, he was playing up to the potential. He's playing up to the opponent. I think he plays down to his opponents too. Cause he also struggled against Marquette earlier in the season. It, it was really bad to watch earlier. And I was, I was really hard on Andre Cabello. I think, him taking that absence was a was good for his mental health, was good for his you know, physical health, but I don't think he came back the next, you know, the Kobe incarnation. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to be what he was today on Friday. Maryland takes care of the ball with seventeen point six percent turnover percentage. Illinois does not with twenty point four. Maryland has a two point a two foul participation rate of twenty two point six percent, or Illinois is sixteen point five. Both teams average around the same amount of height, and if you, like I said, if you get Kofi in foul trouble, you like it's you could definitely beat um, Illinois in that sense because Plummer's not going to go berserk like he did today. Frazier, you know, had some good stretches, had some bad stretches today, and then Dow, you even mentioned today, Curbelo when he gets the ball and he's just running a thousand miles per hour, he has no idea where to go. If you just, you know, just poke that, you're done. Like you get that ball instantly. So. That is my chaos embodied. Yeah. But that's my pitch for Maryland upsetting Illinois. And it's really Illinois fumbling the bag here. What do you guys think? How are you feeling about this game? Yeah. I mean, I'll probably, I'll I'll take a case on that. I I like, um, I, I, you know, Maryland's obviously been disappointing from what they were supposed to be. And a lot of things have gone into that, but uh, kind of to my same point of, of possibly a Purdue upset, they're coming off a double OT game in a really, really tough environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, you know, they, they're going to be mad because they lost that game, but they, they could be looking ahead to Michigan state. Like you said, um, you know, I, I think Illinois is far and away the better team here, but uh, you know, Fats Russell can, he, he can just, he can shoot the ball. He can, he can score. So, you know, maybe he gets hot. Maybe they get Kofi in, uh, in foul trouble. Like you said. Um, yeah. I'll buy a case on that. Fats Russell is also he's like definitely in the top you know in the starting five of like best names in college basketball by far. Oh, for sure, by far, for sure. Adon- Adonis Arms and Fats Russell are are putting together a, a hell of a backcourt on the all name team. No <laughs> doubt, no doubt. I love Adonis, man. When he when he committed to Tech, we were all in on the on the name and everything like that. Yeah. He's such a good dude too. Dude, NIL must be must be huge for him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he just—I think he got a deal mid-game in uh, the either the Kansas State or the Baylor game. Raising Canes actually like reached out to him and sent him a DM or something, uh, and awesome. everybody was making a big deal out of that's it. It was—it awesome. was really cool. Love the state of college basketball today. That's what we can do. We're, mm-hmm. We can make money off their name. You know, that's awesome for sure. For sure. Um, on the on the Illinois Maryland uh, pick though, I am completely out, and it is because of your words. It is Danny Manning. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to pitch me on a Danny Manning upset big win. Uh, I struggled through that in my time at Wake. 
<laughs> and he's a great player. Was a great player. Um, is a great developer of big men. Uh, but when it comes to the actual coaching of the basketball game, he that's not his strong suit. I'll just put it that way. Um, so I'm out. All right. Fair enough. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. One of the greatest presidents in our history, Ben Franklin, once said, Beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. None of what I just said is actually true, but who cares because beer. This is the part of the episode where each of us reviews a beer that we've either never had before or we just highly recommend. Let's drink. Yeah, so I didn't get a brand new beer. I've had this beer before and I wanted to bring it on anyway. I am currently, I'm living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So this beer is coming from the area. It's going to be, I'm actually drinking it right now. It's called Holy Roller. Um, It's a hazy, juicy IPA out of Urban South Brewery in New Orleans. Um, ABV looking at about 6.3. They also have a grapefruit version, which I'm not a big grapefruit guy. So, you know, not, not big on that one, but this one in particular, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, and I would absolutely drink it again, comparing it to a basketball related thing. Uh, I have to say this beer is a lot like Bill Walton and now, I, now I'll say this because you, you either love or you hate Bill Walton and that's, and that's the same thing with IPAs. People either love them or they hate them. I'm a fan of them. I'm a massive Bill Walton fan as well. Uh, it's also, you know, a hazy IPA, which I'm sure uh, our guy Bill has, you know, partaken yeah. in, in some, some other hazy actions yeah. um and you know i just i i I thought that was a good comparison uh love bill walton love holy roller absolutely great comparison great comparison all right so i actually kind of cheated uh this week i wanted to make sure i got something texas uh related for (laughs) since steven was joining us um nice but the limited selection at my local liquor store uh, meant that I ended up having to get a cider and not a beer. That's so it's okay, and it, it's kind of bad because it's the like Austin uh, Austin East Ciders, which is obviously based in Austin. We're not the biggest mm-hmm. fan of the Texas Longhorns on this podcast <laughs> uh, for today. Um, we're a fan of the the all time Texas great Devin Askew. That's true. Devin Askew <laughs> is the goat. So, um, dude, the Longhorn fans absolutely thought that guy was going to be a star when he committed over there, and it's been it's been rocky to start, for, to cute. say the least, for Devin. That's cute Almost of them. I told them that was going to happen, and we want him to, to succeed. It's just it's tough. It's tough. But anyway, go ahead, Dell. All right, so yeah, I'll, here I'll crack this up. I got the so they have a bunch of ciders. I've had the pineapple one before, which is really good, um, but this is the blood orange uh, mm-hmm. cider. So I'm give it a try. Um, I think it's five percent, is what it said. It obviously doesn't have an IBU because it's a cider. It's pretty good though. Is the orange in it, or is it just like a subtle orange to it? No, it's kind of more subtle. Uh, I think I like the pineapple one better. Um, I'm trying to think of 
if I had to, to compare it to a um, if I had to compare it to a college basketball like team or related thing. Oh, I got you. I got you with this one. You All right, I, I have one as well. But you, what, what you got? Hey, because it's already because the orange, it's not too bad, but not great. Surprise you every once in a while. Come on, Marcus. All right. Take I, him. I, I do kind of like that. I was gonna go with uh with this year. I was gonna go with South Dakota State, um, which is a uh, shot out of left field. But yeah. South Dakota State has the twelfth best offense according to Ken Palm and the two hundred and eighty second best defense. <laughs> I was absolutely <laughs> the Jackrabbits. So this this uh this cider is all offense and no defense. Um, <laughs> it's sweet. There's not really any kick to it at all. You're right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Jackrabbits, but I like. I do like the the Marcus Smart shout out for Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah, right, Marcus Marcus Smart's not a big uh, big fan of Lubbock, Texas, as we've seen. Uh, but uh, I've actually had that cider before, um, and it's pretty good. I, I liked it. Um, they sell it in pretty much every little hipster restaurant in Austin. Uh, yeah. So it's it's a, that's a good choice. Well, what's was was the Lubbock, Texas? Was that the game where? Uh, someone called them the hard R, hard hard R N word, or they were th- there were rumors that uh, one of the I think he was a, a pretty big booster at Texas Tech, and he had season tickets, and he was sitting, and that was when Texas Tech was no good at basketball, uh, and yeah, and and so you know I I don't really know what was said. There were some rumors that he said certain things. People in Lubbock, of course, are going to argue otherwise. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> truth to it, it's just yeah. it's unfortunate that like even came to that situation you know what oh, i mean sure. like, cuz stuff like that happens with uk fans all the time it's like mm-hmm. you're the scum of the earth people like stop yeah you know, like, it, like yeah it gives a gives a whole fan base kind of a bad rap and you know yeah, you don't really you don't really want to I, I don't want to defend the guy if he did say something like that but you know if he didn't that's on Marcus smart you know it's just a weird kind of balance you got to keep always weird so all right i'm going to go i have the blue sea dog brewing company blue paw which is um, there's a restaurant here in um, Clearwater, Florida area called Sea Dog Cantina. So we went there last weekend and I didn't want a margarita. It's a cantina, but I didn't want a margarita. I saw they had this blue, like blueberry blonde ale or wheat ale or whatever it is. It's ale with natural blueberry flavor. So I tried it out and it was amazing on tap. Still really good in a can, but like if you could get it on draft by far, the best experience for it. I mean, they put blueberries in it when, when you uh, order it there. So really good. I'm going to pour in a glass cause it's just, I enjoy it better, more out of the glass. I went to, I wanted to have a frosted one, but I forgot to uh, frost mine. So, but this is sea dog brewing. They have locations in Florida. They were founded in Maine and New Hampshire. Um, when you open the can, I mean, it's just like blueberries hits you right in the nose. It smells delicious. Tastes even better because the blueberry is not super strong, but it just pairs really well with the uh, the hops that they use. Not super hoppy either. It's only uh, eight IBUs and it's four point seven five percent ABV. So all all things considered, very good beer. Um, as far as comparing to college basketball or anything basketball related, I'm going to go with uh, out of left field here with Coastal Carolina which performs really well in a weaker conference. Sea Dog Brewing, not many people have heard of it. I mean, even though they're in three states, it's still not super popular. But I promise you, if you get this, you're probably going to get a six-pack, maybe more, because it's just so delicious. 
Coastal Carolina, they per- consistently perform well. And uh, I, I know Dal knows this question, but Stephen, do you know Coastal Carolina's coach off the top of your head? Oh, man. Um, no, I don't. I love their colors. I love uh, I love watching their football team. But, uh, no, I, I don't know their head coach off the top of my head. So their head coach is Cliff Ellis, who is actually eighth all-time in career wins for D1 coaches. Has more oh. than 800 career wins in, on, his, on his tenure, which is okay. insane. Yeah, he actually coached at, at Auburn for like 10, 20 years, something like that. Um, so he's been kind of been everywhere, but consistently good. And that's what I feel like about this. It's like I could put, I could pick this beer up. It's crushable, um, but I probably like because it's not a light beer. I'm not going to just like down like twelve of them, you know. So, yeah, but sure. I enjoy it for sure. Uh, so definitely check that out. Um, so yeah, that's that's it for the beer review. Rocky versus Apollo. Daniel LaRusso versus Johnny Lawrence, Ali versus Frazier. What do they all have in common? They were absolute throwdowns. This is the part of the show where we discuss some throwdown games in college basketball this week. So we talked about today. We talked about uh, Illinois and Purdue, and that was that's that's hit so far. I can't remember the other game that we had listed for this for today, but. Clearly, it wasn't that memorable of a game. Otherwise, we would have been talking about it tonight. This is offensive. It's, it was Wyoming, Nevada. Come on. Oh, that's right. Well, I don't remember. <laughs> no, th- that wasn't one I had. It was also it was also Indiana, Nebraska was the other that one we talked about. Indiana, Nebraska. And that's the one where, like, why is it listed on here? Because it's so gross that I want to watch it kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so we'll, we'll talk about uh, Wyoming, Nevada. What, what the final of that game end up being? Uh, it's still going on because it started at eight o'clock. Let me look it up. Oh, sweet! Let me find it. I have the no, in, Indiana. Indiana only won by seven to Nebraska. I knew it was going to be a close game. I knew it was. Oh man, oh, hot take. I mean, yeah, but Nebraska's really bad this year. Since they're very that. bad. We right. and, 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 in the last episode, I even mentioned. These are the. This is a battle of the has beens. It's the has been basketball program and the has been football program. So, yep, yep. Um, yeah, we'll see. We will see. But all right. So Tuesday, the eighteenth. So that's tomorrow at five p.m. We have Baylor at West Virginia. Big Twelve guy with Texas mm-hmm. Tech. Tell me, are we expect, should we expect a good game here? I think we will. I think West Virginia always plays a tough game, especially at home. What do you think? What do you think about this game? The best four home atmospheres in the Big 12 are West Virginia, Iowa State, Kansas, and Texas Tech. Absolutely. Those are the top four. Morgantown's always a tough place to play. Baylor, I think, might be out. Uh, Akinjo may not play. Sohan hasn't played the last few games. I know I, I think he's he's questionable for this one, too. So if those two guys don't play, I think West Virginia has a real chance here. Uh, it looks like I think they got Taz Sherman back and uh, Ozaboyan is pretty good down low. So I, I think West Virginia can beat anybody if it's in Morgantown. Um, and, and Baylor could be coming in uh, pretty shorthanded. Fair enough. I, I'm going to go ahead and trust your judgment here. I'll say West Virginia by four, I think is a fair yeah. assumption. What do you think, Dale? I'm going to go, I'm going to go Baylor just because one of my favorite things that happened last year was we were watching like the final four or something and I was kind of explaining to my like mom and stepdad what was like what was going on in the game, like who the main people to focus on were. 
and I was like, oh, Davion Mitchell, like he's probably the best defender in college basketball. He'll be a top, he'll be a, like a lottery pick. He's awesome. And it like it goes by like 20 seconds. And at one point, Max uh, Meyer, Max Meyer, Matthew Meyer, Ma- Matthew, Matthew Meyer. Like he has the ball. And my mom's like, oh, is that the guy? And I'm like, no, the white guy with the mullet is not the best defender in college basketball. Like that man's not going top 10 in the draft, mom. Come on. Like get with the program. Um, yeah. But it has made me like him a lot more because every time I see him, I just laugh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, two hours later, 7 p.m., we have Kansas at Oklahoma. I like Kansas in this one, but I really am high on this Oklahoma team. I, I've been a Porter Mosier fan for a while now, ever since the first uh, Loyola Chicago run that they took in the in the tournament. So, um, But I, I think it'll be a close game. I think Kansas will just outlast them as far as their offense can go. So what do you guys think? Yeah, uh, Kansas's offense is is unbelievable. Their transition offense, they can score on anybody. Um, I like them in this game. Uh, Oklahoma, basketball-wise, doesn't really bring a, a real home court advantage for the most part. Uh, they're more of a football school over there. So, um, yeah, I'll probably go Kansas. Agbaji getting in the 25 range in this one. If Oklahoma had Alondis Williams, they would win, but they don't. Because it was the Deeks, so I think they're going to lose. I'm Kansas all the way too. Yeah. All right. So then we have we talked about it already. 7 p.m. UNC at Miami. I think we already gave our picks there. Later that night, Texas Tech at, at home against Iowa State. I'm all in on on the Red Raiders here tonight. Um, I think that their Iowa State is overrated. I think Texas Tech is now that they've got upset on, on the road. I think they're a little bit underrated now after beating two top t- uh, top ten teams in like a, the span of like five days. So, give me Texas Tech. I think they're going. This is a bounce back game for them, and they uh, continue to push that contender status uh, talk that we have going on. That's a fantastic pick in my non-biased uh, attitude right here. Um, no, I mean, I think I think we bounce back a little bit. Uh, I know the offense looked a little clunky with Terrence Shannon back in that Kansas State game, but. I think we've had a few games to work on it. I know these guys are hungry as ever. I know Mark Adams is hungry as ever. And, it, I mean, these are two really good defensive teams. So, I, I, I'm not I'm not buying in the Iowa State is is overrated. I think they're properly rated right now. I think they're actually a really good team uh, that could probably finish, you know, in the top 25 by the end of the season. So, uh, they're going to give us a run for our money. But, I, I you know, I got to go Texas Tech by five or six in this one. Yeah, I think like you said, one of the one of the best atmospheres in the Big Twelve is is Texas Tech. If this was at Iowa State, it might be a different might be a different story, but I like the Red Raiders at home. Plus yeah. I can't pick against Texas Tech on this on this. No, can't do it. Not can't this do week. It. <laughs> Good vibes only. <laughs> Wednesday night, the nineteenth, we have LSU at Alabama at seven PM. I'm going uh, Alabama on this one. I think this is a must win game for them. It's at home. They need to get back right. As good as Alabama's offense can be, um, their defense can be really bad, and sometimes their offense can be bad if they're not making shots. LSU, they have good defense, but their offense is just awful always. So um, I think defense does travel, but Alabama is going to be – they're really desperate for a win here. They need it. They absolutely need it to stay alive in this this race for the SEC, maybe like the second or third seed in the tournament there. So give me Alabama by five. Steven, also for your context, Connor, like of anyone in college basketball, he has an absolute man crush on Nate Oates. So, <laughs> Nate Oates, first of all, 
I've been vocal about that from day one. I just like Nate Oates' style more than I like Muscleman's style. You, you love Nate Oates. It's fine. I figured it out today, by the way, Dal. Both Nate Oates and Mus are have both kind of underachieved this year for the hype that they were given. You want to know why that is? It's the Dante Allen effect. They overachieved in a, a fluky COVID year last year. That's that's exactly what it did is. Did Allen really do that? Uh, yes, he didn't. We'll talk did about that like once. Well, twice, but we'll talk about it in the last call. Anyways, fair enough. Fair enough. They they overachieved. Same with Mick Cronin at UCLA, and that's why they're struggling. Even though it continues to hype them up in the in the polls and stuff, we know UCLA is in a top ten team. They've proven that time and time again this year. So. It's it's that effect of they've overachieved in a fluky COVID year, and now everyone thinks that that's the standard. Where really Alabama was awesome last year, and most of the, mostly in part to uh, John Petty, and now he's gone, and they're proven now, you know, okay they are in the SEC. So go ahead, give me your picks on this one. So I'll I'll add another coach that is you know a little fluky, a little overrated, and that would be uh, Chris Beard over. At the University of Texas uh, had a had a great year, 2019. A couple meh to average years uh, after that, and then he left for Texas, and he is underachieved so far. So I'll add him to that. Uh, not petty at all, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm in Baton Rouge, so I'm I'm kind of a part LSU fan as well because my uh, my fiance did go to LSU Law School, so uh, you know, kind of kind of root for the Tigers. They're kind of my SEC team, but. Uh, yeah, their offense is, is hard to watch <laughs> a lot of the time. It's it's a nice defense. It's it, it's tough, but uh, they have some they have some guys out right now, and, and Alabama is looking to bounce back. So I'll I'll take uh, the tide here. I'm I'll go the tide as well, but I think that this is one of those games where it's like there are two clear outcomes: either this game stays in like the 60s and LSU wins because it means that their defense is is cooking in Alabama. Like the offense just hasn't um, hasn't uh, traveled, or this gets into like the upper seventies or eighties, and if that's the case, then Alabama wins uh, pretty easily. Um, so I think it probably stays in the sixties because, like you said, defense. Well, it's not traveling, but like defense is more consistent uh, game to game. We've seen Alabama kind of get uh, cold from the from the field. If they're going to do that. It's going to be against a team with the length that LSU has. So. Yeah. I'll go. I'll go Alabama. Well, I feel like that. I just said I was going to go Alabama, and then I kind of made the pitch for LSU. Uh, so I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, yeah, it's all good. We we got you, buddy. We got you. <laughs> Depends on which Bama shows up. Honestly, if it's the yeah, yeah. Versus exactly. Houston and Gonzaga shows up, I mean that's a contender. If it's the Bama versus Memphis, <laughs> then you know, like just go ahead and pack your bags, go home back to Tuscaloosa. So. All right, um, an hour after that, after that tip-off at 7, at 8 o'clock, we have Marquette at Villanova. I'm going to go preface this with um, Sunday, Xavier plays at Marquette. I think it's this is a, a pick'em game. So let's say Wednesday night, if Marquette gets the W, they're going to lose to Xavier on Sunday. And if they lose to Villanova, they're going to beat Xavier on Sunday. So I think that's that's how these this, is, this week's going to go for Marquette. Um, Shaka Smart. Like he is like, so, you know, the Doge meme, like the dogs, the Sheba dogs or whatever the Doge yeah, memes. Yeah, yeah. The one's like crying and is in a corner. And then the other one's like super buff. Shaka uh-huh. is when he's at Texas, he's the Doge that's crying in a corner. And then when he's at Marquette, he's the super buff Doge. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's exactly how to describe 
Shaka Smart as a college basketball coach. And I, I said that yesterday in the last episode, and I'm saying it again. I'm going to make a meme and post the link to this at one point just because of, that's how accurate, like, I feel that the description is. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. You know what I mean? Like, if you think I'm wrong, you're wrong. So what do you guys think about this game? Yeah, um, I, I'm just I'm happy I can root for Shaka Smart again because I do like Shaka. He was unfortunately at our biggest rivals school, and it was hilarious to crap on him during the Shaka years. But I do like him when he doesn't have the absolute spotlight on him. And unfortunately, when you go to a school like Texas, you're I mean you're you're everybody's looking at you. You got all eyes on you. So um, I, I I actually both teams are rolling right now. You know I think Marquette's won four in a row. Villanova's won six or seven in a row. Um, I'll take Shaka. I'll take Shaka and Marquette in an upset here. Uh, they're going to keep it rolling, and, and John Rothstein's going to have his normal Shaka tweet going oh on. Oh, my gosh. I can't stop <laughs> yeah. John Rothstein, if you're listening, which you're probably not, we'd love to have you on the podcast so I could tell you how bad those tweets are. Oh, yeah. The He's only good one is that this is March every year. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the best one. That, 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 that one hits. The other yeah, are we we sleep in May or whatever? Like you know, those are fine. But he had he had a really bad one. Uh, it was on a broadcast though after Tech, I think, lost to Iowa State with seven players, and he goes, "Welcome to the Big 12, Mark Adams." And it's like, okay, Mark Adams has been in the Big 12 since 2016, John. I don't know what I don't know what you're thinking here, but he speaks in strictly just sentences he can put on a t-shirt so i you know i hate the my least favorite is the bob huggins west virginia longer than a than a weekend at your in-laws or something like that so just so hokey i can't can't stand them they're just bad so go ahead dal uh this one this is at villanova right correct yes yeah i'm i'm out on this i think if anyone gets them it's uh it's xavier later in the week so i or no, Xavier plays Marquette. Just kidding. Oh, whoops. Um, you know, that one out. Uh, <laughs> no, I Villanova. Villanova at home. They're like randomly number three in Ken Palm again, and are like incredibly efficient. So I'm like 40, 82 to forty-two. Yes, yes. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. freaking out about that last night on the episode. That is just insane. <laughs> so real. Not don't beat a team by forty and then just like lose the next game. So I'm. I'm sticking with with Nova. Would that not be the most Nova thing of this year, though? It would is to win by forty and then go lose in the next game. To that is fair. Yeah. So I don't know. They we'll also, see. they also only scored what thirty six when they played Baylor earlier this year. Yeah, that was so, gross. Absolutely. We've seen gross. we've seen a lot of uh, difference from Villanova's teams this year. It was Butler that they beat by forty, not BYU. By the mm. way, that, that was on me. But oh well. Thursday the 20th, we have Arizona at Stanford at 11 p.m. I think Arizona is going to win. I think Stanford's going to give them a good game. But I think Arizona is proving that they're a top team this year. So um, I like Arizona by like six in this one. What do you guys think? I'll probably go double digits, Arizona. I think they're going to beat them pretty good. Stanford's riding, you know, pretty high off of that uh, USC win. But uh, now I think Arizona probably by 12. Yeah, I think Stanford's kind of one of those teams that is good for like an upset every every two or three weeks, but yeah. for the most part, they're uh, going to play like they should play given their talent. So I'm going to go Arizona as well. Fair enough. And then same time, same tip off, um, UCLA at Utah. 
Uh, I, I've been vocal about UCLA. I think, I, I think a, they should have never moved up back up to number three in the nation when they were on like a month and a half break uh, for COVID. I think that's ridiculous that you're going to move them up when they haven't played. And when other teams have, you know, been upset or have dropped, I think you move up the teams that have been playing and keep them at the same line that they were uh, before their break. But we saw that they were a little bit overrated. They got upset this weekend. So give me Utah in this one. I think the Utes at home, they can they can go ahead and uh, close this out. I think UCLA is still getting back into game form after taking a month and a half break off. Um, that, that physicality of college basketball is just, it's hard to do that conditioning. It's hard to get back after taking the time off. They Obviously they did conditioning while they were taking that break, but there's still a difference between playing against D1 athletes versus practice. So give me Utah on this one. I want to agree with you because I do, I do think UCLA is, is overrated. I think they have been all season, um, but Utah's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Utah's, Utah's not good. And I know it's at home. Uh, you know, the youth, the youth fans, they, they show out for their stuff, but uh, no, I'll, I'll take UCLA in this one. I don't have anything better to do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I'm going to go UCLA as well. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Totally get that. Utah's terrible, but we'll see. The next day, Friday at 7 p.m., Illinois at Maryland. We talked about that in Shark Tank upsets. Um, and then we have Michigan State at Wisconsin at 9 p.m. This is going to be a good game. Uh, both of these teams, I think, are just slightly overrated, but that's because I think Big Ten in general is just overrated. Uh, Johnny Davis is not the best player in the nation. We've seen that. I'm glad that talk has been put to bed because he – was just overrated by far for like a week there. It was just ridiculous talking about best player in college basketball. Mm-hmm. But um, I like Michigan State in this one. It's hard for me to pick Wisconsin. I know it's at home, but I think Michigan State, like Tom Izzo, I think they're going to have a good game plan, especially for shutting down Johnny Davis because we saw that he can be shut down. Um, and I th- I just think from the beginning, first episode, I said Michigan State was going to be they're, – they're, they're only going to get better each week. And uh, we see that. Like I think they're like – um, I think they're like four and zero uh, in and quad one win and quad one game. So this is going to be a quad one game, and I think they're going to improve to five and zero. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, I, you know, here I'm going to take the home team. I'm going to take Wisconsin. Uh, just and if if Michigan State was at home, I'd take Michigan State. It's just uh, having being at home, being in your own atmosphere with your own fans, uh, and and you know the Badger fans, they're they're there for it. So they're having a pretty good season. A uh, little overrated these past few weeks, but. I think they'll probably take this one over Izzo. Um, I'm going to go Izzo just because I can't cheer for Wisconsin. And I have a very strong uh, narrative going that EJ Liddell is the best player in the Big Ten, and it's not Johnny Davis. Yeah. Um, So I will be picking against Johnny Davis wherever possible. (laughs) I think Keegan Murray is better than Johnny Davis, in my opinion, but whatever. Like he's one of the most underrated players in the in the in Power Five basketball right now, but that's neither here here nor there. Saturday on the twenty second, we have Kentucky at Auburn. It, that was at one thirty, correct? I think that was what we agreed on is when they said that the game was going to be played. I believe yes, one thirty CBS. Yeah, one thirty CBS. Kentucky at Auburn. It's a tough game. Um, I said it today in a tweet and a reply to somebody else's. I think they play Texas A and M. Auburn, uh, Mississippi State, and then Kansas is the next four games for mm-hmm. Kentucky. 
I say Kentucky goes three and one. So they either lose at Auburn or lose at Kansas, but they don't lose both. Um, so I think they're going to lose at, or they're going to beat Auburn this week. I think we saw that Auburn against Alabama and a really questionable Alabama offense this year. That's, you know, they're either really like really hot or really cold. Kentucky's riding high off that Tennessee win. I think they're going to see that shooting transfer finally on the road at Texas A&M on Wednesday, and we're going to see it transfer to Auburn. Uh, but when they go into Kansas, uh, we know how Fog Allen is and how the refs can be there. As a Texas fan, you know all too well how it is to play in Fog Allen. Um, it's hard to get a win there. It's a very electric atmosphere for college basketball. I think the last time that Kentucky played in Fog Allen was uh, 2016. They lost there. So um, I'm going to say that Kentucky gets the win against Auburn, and that will project them, you know, finally catapult them into the top five of college basketball, where they belong at this point until we see what happens against Kansas. What do you guys think? Uh, Auburn should be the number one team in the country. They got hosed in the AP poll. Um, they, oh, yeah, yeah. They're, uh, you know, Gonzaga, Gonzaga just, they don't play anybody at this point in the season. So it's hard to put them above what, and what Auburn's done is, is absolutely impressive, uh, this season so far. But, um, I am going to go with y'all's y'all squad. I'm going to go Kentucky here. Uh, you know, I had to do it. I'm on, I'm, I'm a guest here on this yeah. podcast. I can't, I already, I already said, you know, Indiana was going to do well and that, you know, but um, no, I'm here. I'm here for the Wildcats taking this one uh, in an upset at this point, uh, Kentucky over Auburn. Let's go. Go Cates. Cats by 90. <laughs> All right. So then we have at 12 o'clock. So before this tip off, West Virginia at Texas Tech, this is a tough game. Uh, like we said, Bob Huggins, very underrated coach, I think, in general. Also a little bit overrated somehow. Um, this West Virginia-Texas Tech matchup last year was amazing. Mac McClung versus Deuce McBride. That was yeah, yeah. electric to watch. I wish we could get a repeat of that because it was just so fun. Uh, but I, I just – West Virginia is not that good this year. I think the only advantage they have is when they play Baylor at home. Baylor, like you said, is a is a little hurt, a little banged up, not in a full strength, and they're playing in Morgantown. But I mean, Mountaineers coming to Lubbock. I just give me Texas Tech here. Yeah, this is where the home court advantage is going to be big time. We have two home games this week. Uh, after having four games last week, we only have two this week. Both of them are at home. Are at home. I think this is where Texas Tech wins a couple big ones in a row, and you know, just keeps their name relevant in in terms of contenders so yeah i'll take i'll take tech over wvu we gotta we gotta roll with with the red raiders here so yeah, yeah. two and oh, oh for, for texas tech and in, in this week of college basketball i mean texas tech had their toughest stretch when they had kansas and then baylor back to back and then ok state on the road if i'm not mistaken so uh, that one was at home that one was oh, Lubbock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either yeah. way, OK State is one of those teams that can just upset any team at any given night. Um, so, uh, yeah, Texas Tech, had, if they could go 3-0 and on that week, and then after getting, you know, like you said, the the fourth game in seven days, you know, like, go ahead, write it in, W against West Virginia. Later that day, 3 o'clock, we have Baylor at Oklahoma. I like Baylor in this one. Um, I'd love to pick Oklahoma here, but I just I – just, Baylor's too good. Their defense is too good. So, yeah. sorry, yeah. you have my heart, buddy, but not in this week. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I'm a big Porter Mosher guy. I, I hated that Oklahoma hired him because it's like, okay, now we got to go against him too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I like I like Baylor. I think at this point they'll probably have their team back and fully healthy. Um, so yeah, give me Baylor. Dad, what you got? Mm, I mean, again, Oklahoma, you would win games if you had Alondis Williams, but you do not. Therefore, I will be going Baylor. All right, fair enough. Four o'clock ACC play. We got Notre Dame at Louisville. We put we threw this game in here because it's going to be a rock fight. It's going to be gross. It's going to be disgusting, and you're going to want to watch it. I like Notre Dame in this one. Louisville sucks. Uh, Cats by ninety, aka Notre Dame by ninety. Um, yeah, suck at cards. What do you got? Um, you know, be, again, because I'm on y'all's podcast, I can't be you know <laughs> hooting and hollering for for would- Louisville here. You know, go with what you know. You don't have to. You, you, you I don't. I, and, and to be honest, I don't know much about either of these teams. I haven't watched a lot of Notre Dame. I haven't watched a lot of Louisville. So I will go with the Fighting Irish. Um, at go Notre Dame. There you go. Dal, what you got? Yeah, pe- like people act like Notre Dame is bad, and it just baffles me because, like, Notre Dame is not. They're not going to win the ACC. But Blake Wesley will be an, an NBA player and like a very solid NBA player. If not this year, then next year or the year after. Um, also, like Louisville's just terrible. So Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw that um, Kentucky's loss to Notre Dame earlier this year. It was a quad three loss. It got bumped up to quad two loss, which is good for Kentucky. Um, so happy about that. So, yeah, later on, 6 p.m., LSU at Tennessee, the rematch. LSU kind of destroyed Tennessee in that first game, but it was at LSU. We've seen LSU play really well. The thing is, they've only played really well at home, so I I need to see how this team does on the road. Uh, I like Tennessee in this one just because Tennessee got embarrassed by Kentucky this week. They they need this game as a get-back. LSU doesn't, Um, and I I can't trust LSU's offense. So uh, give me Tennessee – Tennessee has a better offense and they're just right behind defensively. So I think this is going to be a good game. What do you guys think? I've seen firsthand how bad Tennessee's offense can look um, in that rock fight of a game, Texas tech and Tennessee earlier this year that uh, had a million missed three pointers. Um, Give me, give me the tigers in this one though. I think they'll finally pull off a big one on the road. Uh, I think Tennessee's kind of reeling a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I feel like that you see it more in football where like a team gets beat by a team twice. Um, But I feel like this could be a case where like it actually happens in basketball. And just like for, for you to go like and play a team like LSU, like if it was a team that was a little bit like weaker, it would be easier for them to kind of bounce back. Um, But I'm going I'm going LSU here. Fair enough. And then the last game of the night that we'll mention, 8 p.m., we have UNC at Wake. Give me the Demon Deeks. We already talked about how bad UNC's guard play is. Um, Wake Forest by far has the better guards. No one can stay in front of them as far as UNC is concerned. Give me Wake Forest by like eight. Wake is great. Wake Forest wins this one. Go Deeks, baby. <laughs> now, Alondis Williams should carve up UNC's backcourt. Uh, and also, so big 
news that isn't big news to really anyone but me. Uh, but uh, Damani Mon- Monsardo, I think is how you say his name. He's yeah. a dude that was at was at East Tennessee State um, last year which is where Forbes came from two years ago. So he played under Forbes, stayed there for a year, um, but now has transferred, is on his Cam Akers grind, tore his Achilles like six months ago, and is supposedly back uh, and like at least available. I don't know if he will play like this yeah. week, but he is at least like back and like practicing, which is just insane. Um, and he's a – just another shooter, kind of bigger wing that would be awesome to add to a weight team that can use as much shooting and um, and size as possible. So that's a that's a that's a big win for for the Deeks, and they're going to pull it out against UNC. Definitely. So, all right, we have two more games Sunday on the twenty third. Xavier at Marquette. We kind of talked about it a little bit. I said if they if Xavier or if Marquette upsets Villanova, they're going to lose to Xavier. If uh, Marquette gets you know loses to Villanova, they're going to upset um, Xavier at home. So that's at two o'clock. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'll take I'll take Xavier in this one um, over Shaka Smart. Xavier, I think Xavier's like actually pretty good this year. Uh, so I'm going to go I'm going to go the Musketeers as well. That game against Creighton was was a wild one. I thought they were going to lose that one. They came back, end up winning. That was nuts. So that was fun to watch. So they do show that they can be resilient in that. Um, so it's something to watch for. Uh, Marquez just always, I mean, like every year, as a Kentucky fan, I know all too well back in the early 2000s, Dwayne Wade upsetting uh, Kentucky when he was with Marquette, the worst. So um, the worst, but also the best if you're a college basketball fan. So – Marquette has a sour spot in uh, Kentucky's mouth for some reason, but yeah. And then we have at 3 o'clock, Memphis at Tulsa. It's going to be gross. It's going to be disgusting. Memphis is not good. Tulsa is not good. Tulsa almost upset Houston this past weekend. Mm-hmm. I almost I had it. They were a missed three away from upsetting Houston. But both teams kind of suck, but it's the rematch, and I'm here for it. I'm, I love watching bad teams play basketball for some reason, so – Give me Tulsa in this one. Memphis just an AAU team, and uh, this is the nail in the coffin for the season uh, for Memphis. Yeah, I, uh, I Memphis have been frauds all season. I almost took uh, USF over Houston as my my upset pick of the week. I think Houston's Man. lost Houston's lost Sasser, and they lost uh, Trayvon Mark as well. Uh, they have my boy Kyler Edwards, who was at Texas Tech these last yeah, few years. Yeah. Uh, he's been playing well, shooting the light out of the ball, but. Um, yeah, I think, I think Houston's kind of, we're going to, luckily they play in the American, so, you know, they're not going to lose a lot more games, but, uh, I don't think they're going to do well come tournament time, but, uh, yeah, Memphis, Memphis are frauds. Question about that game, USF, is it at home or is it at Houston? It is at USF. Okay. Yeah. Um, USF's going to win that game. As long as they freaking they turn into, like I said, the South Florida Warriors, uh, that Walker kid was had like 20 points it was insane like but he was like had like eight threes it felt like it was disgusting oh, i'm uh, sorry it's at it's at houston i messed that, up my bad uh if that i mean if the shooting travels if that if the riding high off of beating an in-state rival the the war on i4 for ucf uh yeah usf could pull out the upset i think they're i mean usf played auburn really well in the beginning of the mm-hmm. season in tampa so a lot of people sleep on them i slept on them for sure that ucf was going to destroy them and it wasn't even close, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, um, like I said, Mem- Memphis is a U team at mm-hmm. at best, and P- 
Penny is not a D1 coach and needs to be let go immediately. Memphis is literally like the worst team in the country in turning the ball over, which is hilarious because Amani Bates was supposed to be their savior. Um, I feel like that uh, Jalen Duran has kind of gone like under the radar a little bit. He's probably the best pure center uh, like prospect in this year's draft, um, even though he'll probably still go like late lottery. But uh, they turn the ball over a ton, and Tulsa is very good at turning people over. So they are, yeah. Where do we go, Tulsa? Point. What's their mascot again? Uh, Golden uh, Hurricanes. Hurricanes. Golden, Golden Hurricanes. Hurricanes. I knew it was Golden something. Oh, yeah. We're definitely doing the Golden Hurricanes over <laughs> lame-ass Memphis. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Drink up. It's last call. As we are closing, each host has an opportunity to share any last-minute thoughts, hot takes, found stupid tweets, and fandom talk. So, guest of honor, Stephen, go ahead, man. All right. So, Texas Tech fan here. Uh, Obviously, we don't like Chris Beard anymore. Um, I think when you're talking about Chris Beard and you're talking about Mark Adams, everybody just wants to say Mark Adams is continuing the culture that Chris Beard built at Texas Tech, which I think couldn't really be further from the truth. I think they're two completely different coaches in terms of how they approach the program. Uh, Chris Beard is a salesman. Chris Beard is a recruiter. Chris Beard is a motivator. Mark Adams is a basketball coach. Uh, Chris Beard, I, we look at what Texas Tech had under when they had Adams and Beard. Adams ran the defense and ran the substitutions. Beard ran the offense. What was the bad part of Texas Tech these last That's two seasons? By, by far, far the, the offense. Ooh, and, ooh, pick me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Beard can get guys to his program. He is a salesman of all salesmen. He knows how to sell a program to a kid. And that's why he's got all these great transfers at Texas right now. But can he coach them on the basketball court? We haven't seen much of that this year. They have no quad one wins right now. They're 0 and 4 in that category. Uh, I just, I really think Mark Adams needs his credit for the last several years at Texas tech, not just this season, but the last several. And that's all I'll say on it. Uh, we hate Chris Beard. Mark Adams is the best. Yeah. You sold me, buddy. You, you've absolutely sold me. <laughs> By far, the, the offense was the biggest question about Texas Tech the last few years. And uh, we saw that, you know, time and time again. But one of the things is that, like, the selling points about Chris Beard was the defense. But it turns out Mark Adams, that that's who the defensive it's, guru It's always was. been Mark Adams' defense. I'll tell you the short list of Kentucky candidates to replace John Calipari when he retires – Chris Beard is on that list for a lot of fans. He's not on that list for me. I thought his you antics, don't want his his just like constant like just jumping up and down and his throwing of arms. It, it's annoying. It annoys me when Cal does it. Annoys me when Beard does it. But also the flopping, the constant flopping that Texas Tech did for a long time. It's just like uh, like Rick Barnes in Tennessee. Like I don't want it at Kentucky. So uh, yeah, you've sold me. Mark Adams is on, now on the short list for Kentucky candidates. No, just kidding, but. <laughs> Go ahead, Dell. Um, mine, I'll just use mine, even though it will probably be less passionate than it was yesterday. But I would just urge all sports fans, and just you can apply this to life as well. This is Life Advice Corner with Dell um, for today. If you ever have something, in this case, a game, 
or even like a stretch of a couple games or just something that is a small event that you are taking completely out of context, don't do that. If your team way overperforms, it's probably going to come back down. If your team underperforms, it's probably not as bad as it seems. And the kind of like knee-jerk emotional reactions that sports fans especially get is just incredibly tiring and also makes the discourse around sports just one. I mean, I understand why it happens because it gives people stuff to talk about, but it just makes it incredibly um, frustrating when you actually try and look at it analytically. So just take small sample sizes with grains of salt, because that is like, that's what you should do. That's my rant. Also go Deeks. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. It kind of segues into my last call, which is, Tatai Washington needed a full offseason and at least like eight to 10 games for us to see his potential, like his fullest potential. And we probably haven't even seen the fullest potential from him, but as a college basketball player, you don't get better than 28 points, 10 for 13 on shooting against the top, you know, the number two defense in the nation. Uh, so it took us that long to see Tatai Washington perform at this level. And he wasn't even like at the near at the, at the, the level that Shaden Sharp is. We're not going to see Shaden Sharp play like that at all this season, and that's okay. If he gets minutes in garbage time, that's fine. Like, that's what I want. I want us to be up, like, you know, like 25 or 30 on South Carolina, and we're at home or whatever, and Cal's like, hey, Shaden, go get some minutes. And he gets two minutes to close out the game, and it gets the fans happy, and that's what they want to see. We don't need to be putting him in and, like, the clutch, you know, like, that's not the time for him to go in because if he gets in and sucks, that's what he's going to be known for. It's going to mess up his game. It's going to mess up his head all, all around bad. With that said, hot shooting games are more outliers than standards. Same goes for cold shooting nights. Don't be down in your team like Dal said when they have a cold shooting night after shooting hot. Kentucky cannot sustain 78% from shooting from three. If they There was more – there was the most blue that Rupp Arena has ever seen in the game against Tennessee – and that definitely contributed to the fact that they beat Tennessee um, and shot so well from three. It's not going to be – I'm telling you, they're not going to go into Texas Tech and they're not going to go into Auburn and contain and sustain the 78% shooting. It's not happening. Be happy with 40%. If we could get that, that'd be great. I'd love that because if we're shooting 40% against Auburn and Oscar Sheway does what Oscar Sheway does, then we're going to win that game. We're just going to win that game. So. That's all I have. I do have the last qu- last question though. I didn't plan on this, but being that you're so, I mean, you have experience with Big Twelve basketball. You have experience with West Virginia. Did you ever see Oscar Sheway becoming the player that we see him at Kentucky now, or was that just kind of he's just supposed to be like, you know, back to the basket big at West Virginia? No. And so when he was at West Virginia, I hated playing against him because he was more of a defensive nightmare than anything. I mean, he could block anybody's shot. It's kind of like you can't go in the paint against Shibway. And when he decided to transfer, I was I was just like, thank goodness. I don't have to play against Shibway again. Did I think he was going to be this guy that's getting 30 rebound games? No, I didn't <laughs> think he was going to be that guy. Uh, but, yeah, he's absolutely shown what he can do, even after a whole year off uh, during the whole transfer process. So I, I like Shibway. I hated playing against him, and I'm glad he is no longer in the Big 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, and it is insane. If and we talked about this in the last episode, if you, 
obviously he didn't want to be at West Virginia. It was clear by his chemistry. Mm -hmm. First year numbers were great. Second year numbers took a dip and it was because he didn't want to be there. His guardians Mm -hmm. kind of like forced him to be there, whatever. But if you look at the numbers and the minutes, if you like, he had half the minutes that he's getting now. And he also has half the numbers and rebounds and points. So it's like, Bob Huggins, what are you doing, man? Like if you actually like cared about him and wanted him to succeed, which obviously he didn't want to be there, but part of it is how you treated him. Like if you just shown that and played him more, he probably would have performed maybe not to this level because like he's doing it now solely because he wants to, but like he would have done a little bit more than what he did at West Virginia. He wouldn't have been a bench player. That's for sure. So that's, that's my take on it at least. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes it's just whatever scheme, whatever the way your coach coaches. I mean, we were seeing it with Walker Kessler at Auburn too. Yeah. He was in North Carolina last year. He didn't do. He didn't play. He had DNPs yeah. in games. I mean, this guy's awesome. He's one of the best shot blockers in the nation right now. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just how you use him. And, and obviously, uh, Cal has locked in on how to use Shibway really well. Yeah, definitely. So as we close this episode, we want to go ahead and highlight the Beers and Buckets giveaway. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, we tweeted about it. Um, the rule is you follow us on Twitter, you quote tweet this episode, episode 10, season one, episode 10, with the hashtag Bucketheads. And then in the giveaway tweet, you reply with three accounts that you think that we would enjoy, that they would enjoy our show. Um, and then we'll go ahead and follow those accounts. It just kind of helps us grow our brand a little bit more. We're still a relatively new podcast, so we're trying to grow our following and uh, we want you guys bucket. We want you bucket heads to rep us. You know what I mean? You could definitely do that because you're awesome people. So one lucky winner will receive an official beers and buckets t-shirt and two other lucky winners will receive a free sticker. Uh, and the winners will be announced in about a week. We'll see uh, how that goes. We are also on TikTok, So follow us on there for exclusive content related to the show. You'll actually see the cans and see us drinking the beer and trying it out. Um, by the way, being in uh, Louisiana, Stephen. Have you ever had Abita Springs, the boot? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They have Abita all over here. Uh, I like most of the stuff Abita makes. I like the boot. The boot's good. The boot's very good. I went there back in August 2020. It was one of my favorites. I got two cases for the road. So good. We're going back. I'll be there for the Final Four weekend, definitely. Oh, and cool. I have uh, reached out to, by the way, a little teaser for our listeners. We reached out with Abita Springs and – uh, their brewing company, and uh, we might be having an interview with one of their brewers. So be on the lookout for that. That's going to be awesome, hopefully. And then so we need you guys to like, subscribe, follow, leave a rating, review, whatever you need to do, wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the word out. Get our ratings up. Uh, we know you guys can do that. We appreciate you doing that. You guys are the best listeners, most loyal listeners that we have. And then also this Wednesday we are airing an exclusive uh, post-game, Kentucky exclusive content post-game show called Bourbon and Basketball Nation. Dal and I will just hop on, talk a little bit about the game, give some superlatives, and uh, uh, preview the upcoming Kentucky game. So that way we keep the Beers and Buckets main podcast episodes about college basketball as a whole. So we can keep our fandom, uh, so you guys can listen to that in a separate episode. Because I know Texas Tech fans are probably tired of listening to us talk about Kentucky basketball at this point. (laughs) While they're supporting their boy Steven. So, uh, we're going to do some social media shout outs. I want to shout out, uh, I'm going to shout out Steven, obviously, and, and talking tech podcast. Um, is there any other accounts that you want to give a shout out, Steven? Uh, you can go follow. So I basically run the talking tech Twitter account. That's I have kind of abandoned my personal account at this point. So follow that at talking tech pod. You can follow my co-host Tristan at Tristy Mick. 
you know, he's a pretty funny guy. We, we like to keep the memes up high and, uh, you know, keep it, keep it lighthearted over there on the Twitter account. But, um, you know, we, we try to live tweet a lot of the games and, uh, if we can't, you know, we'll, we'll provide some analysis and all sorts of stuff, but we're mostly there just to have a good time with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter. Yeah, you can follow me uh, at do underscore well Harmon. Um, I don't really have anything else to plug, I don't guess. Uh, I'm a little sad that we're giving away a shirt when the hosts and co-hosts don't have shirts. Uh, we might have to work on that, Connor. You should have just texted me because I was going to actually get you a shirt. <laughs> but now I called you out, so I don't get one. That makes sense. Yeah, um, you get anything now. You get nothing. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you know. We have, we yeah. have stickers and stuff and shirts coming. Um, but also, like, there's going to be stuff available for purchase if you're ever interested in that. So we'll definitely shout that out more once we get it. My sister-in-law, she's great at printing shirts and stuff, so she's working on that for me right now. I'm super nice. excited. I'm definitely uh, – I'm like, SEC tournament – going to be passing that stuff out as far as stickers and uh, business cards. We're going to be doing that at, at New Orleans as well, as well. So I'm excited for that all around. I want to shout out an account that they have no ties to us. They don't even follow us on Twitter, but they have great analytic tweets. Um, JG Trends, at JG Trends on Twitter. Uh, they like One thing that really stuck out they tweeted the other day is the uh, Transition 3 stat that I think I retweeted on the page. Insane. Kentucky's at like they're they're not super efficient with transition threes, but they have the most volume of transition threes. So for everyone who complains about Cal being archaic offense, suck it because the analytics say otherwise. So um, that's my last. Uh, you can follow me, Connor J Caldwell. That's C O N N E R on Twitter and on Instagram. Also, if you don't already, please uh, follow the Beards and Buckets podcast. And uh, what's the score of the Wyoming game? Does anyone have an update on that? I can't find it on YouTube TV. Oh yeah, it, it was it's seventy seven sixty seven with ten seconds left. Wyoming pulled pulled away from Nevada. Well, all right, so for to close our episode, go Pokes, go Wyoming Cowboys, and uh, you guys have an absolutely fantastic. Wait, we can't go go Pokes, especially with Oklahoma State being the Pokes as well. <laughs> on, on the episode, we have Stephen off for Texas Tech. Yeah. We gotta go Red Raiders. Let's go Red Raiders, man. We can That's we can we can end it with a we can end it with a Reckham Tech. How about that? Yeah, Reckham Tech. There we go. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. So That's I mean, it. Gun, guns up, baby. Well, you guys have a fantastic week, and we'll catch you on Wednesday for the Kentucky exclusive post game episode. Appreciate Peace. it, guys.